All right, it is is a great um, privilege to be here tonight. If you will, go and open up your Bibles to Mark chapter number 8. Mark chapter number 8. Now I want to give a little background of of who I am. That way you kind of know who is preaching tonight. Um, Of course, my name is Blaine, and it's an honor to have my wife Becky with me and our little baby that is on the way. We found out about two weeks ago that we are expecting, and I guess the baby due in December, into December 1st of January, so we are excited. Our first one, um, Becky and I met at college um, a, over a year ago, and we've been married now for nine months tomorrow. Uh, I was born and raised in Benton, Arkansas, a little town in the central part of Arkansas. Uh, my dad was a pastor, or is a pastor there at Victory Baptist Church, and I uh, had the privilege of being raised as a preacher's kid. But even though I was a preacher's kid, I was lost and on my way to hell just like everybody else. And about the age of 11, in December, I remember it was December 23rd, 2001, at the age of 11, I realized that I was lost and on my way to hell. And that if I didn't ask Jesus Christ to save my soul, that I was going to spend an eternity there and I didn't want to. And I remember as an 11-year-old boy getting saved that night. And then the next summer, in July, I was at a youth camp in Oklahoma and the Lord called, well, I surrendered my life and the Lord called me to preach. And uh, so I went to Bible college, and that's where I met my wife, Becky. We went to college down in Arkansas, Blessed Hope Baptist College. Becky was raised in a former Chicago police officer's home in uh, in Hebron, Indiana. Excuse me, went to church at Bible Baptist in Highland, Indiana. She was saved as an 8-year-old girl uh, after going to a vacation Bible school. And she had heard the gospel. She was scared, and she said that she went and she had talked to her grandma that night and ask the Lord to save her. And so you may think that some of these youth camps and summer camps, I know there's some people who are against vacation Bible school and, and that's everybody's preference, but it did a wonder for her because she was, she was able to hear the gospel and know that she was lost. So we met at college. Um, she fell madly in love with me. I mean, can't you tell why? I mean, look at me, I'm a specimen of, you know, fitness, you know. You know, anyway, okay, maybe not. She did fall in love with me. I don't know why. She, uh, most people accuse her of being blind, which is true, probably. Anyway, we, uh, we got married in July, July 20th of last year. So the Lord has been really good to me. He called me to Eureka, Illinois to be the youth pastor there at Faith Baptist Temple. Pastor there is Stephen Barr. And I've uh, been up there for over for a year now. And uh, I don't know if you may know or not, but Brother Pastor Tommy McMurtry is my cousin. He's known me all my life. And, and so that's a more privilege to, to be here knowing that he knows, knows me and has known me since I was a baby. So he knows a lot of things about me, yet he trusts me enough to be behind his pulpit. And that really speaks a lot, and I'm very honored for that. If you will, we're going to be in Mark chapter number 8. We're going to look at a familiar passage of Scripture, and hopefully I can... Uh, preach what the Lord has laid in my heart. Mark chapter number 8. If you want to stand, we're just going to read uh, just a couple verses and then we'll pray and be seated. We'll start in verse 1. It says, In those days, the multitude being very great and having nothing to eat, Jesus called His disciples unto Him and saith unto them, I have compassion on the multitude because they have now been with Me three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away fasting to their own house, they will faint by the way for many, for, excuse me, for divers of them come from afar. And his disciples answered him, From whence can a man satisfy these men with bread here in the wilderness? And he asked them, How many loaves have ye? And they said, Seven. And he commanded the people to sit down on the ground. 
And He took the seven loaves and gave thanks and break and gave to His disciples to set before them. And they did set before... Excuse me. And they did set them before the, the people. And they had a few small fishes and He blessed and commanded to set them also before them. So they did eat and were filled and they took up of the broken meat that was left over seven baskets. And they that had eaten were about four thousand and He sent them away. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You for this day. Lord, we thank You for the opportunity just to be here tonight. Lord, we thank You for allowing us to be able to be behind this pulpit. Lord, I ask that You just give me the words to say. Help me to say what You want me to say. Nothing more, nothing less. Lord, just speak to my heart and speak to those here tonight. Just thank You for Your grace and Your mercy. Thank You for being so good to us. In Jesus' name, Amen. You can be seated. Well, what I want to talk to you tonight, what I want to preach on tonight, is a simple, simple thought, from whence can man satisfy? Here we see in this passage of Scripture, Jesus and His disciples are out and they're gone. And He's got a great multitude with them. It says about 4,000 that were with Him. They had been following Him for three days. And they had eaten nothing for those three days. And, 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 so, and so we see in this passage... Um, excuse me, I'm starting to get a little ahead of myself. I'm I'm excited. Um, so the first thing I want to look at here, I've just got three points. I promise I'll be short tonight. I'm not long-winded. I'm young, and so I don't know a lot. So I try to get everything that I know, and it fits in about 10 to 15 minutes, and then I'm done. Because I can't go past that, and then I just start making stuff up. And it's not truth, so therefore there's no reason for me to keep continuing. So anyway, I just want to... These, these three points. First thing we want to see is we want to see the predicament they were in, that they were in. It says in... in uh, in verse 1, he said, A multitude being very great, having nothing to eat, Jesus called His disciples unto Him, saith unto them, I have compassion on the multitude, because they have now been with Me three days, and had nothing to eat. So we see the predicament that they were in. Here's this great multitude of over 4,000, which is, it's interesting to think about, but that is almost the size of the town that I, I live in. In Eureka, it's about more like 5,000 people. But it's almost the whole town of, our, of the town that I live in. So if everybody got together... That's a pretty amazing crowd that's following Jesus. So we can see the size of this crowd. So we see the predicament that they're in. I don't know about you, but I have tried to fast a couple times in my life. And, and I'm not very good at it. I'm going to be honest. I've, I've seen men who fasted for a long time, for weeks on end. But when it comes to not eating, that's hard. Especially for a big guy, because I am hungry, and I like to eat. I, I love to eat. I, it's, it's, I know gluttony is a sin, and so I won't say that I'm a glutton, but I love to eat. And I, I, I would have a hard time going three days with nothing to eat. I can see myself famished, probably about to faint, because I feel like I can't, which you can go a lot longer than three days. But we see these people who haven't had anything to eat for three days. But the amazing thing is, after we see their hunger, in, in the crowd, we see this, this compassion that Jesus has. I love this. In verse 2 it says, I have compassion on the multitude. I don't know about you, but a lot of these religions that are out here in this world, their God, their quote-unquote God, is always a God of, of doom and gloom, a God that has no compassion, who is all about killing people. Now, our God is a just, righteous, and merciful God. He's a God of compassion. Because if He wasn't a God of compassion, we wouldn't be here today. Because if it wasn't for the fact that God had compassion, that Jesus had compassion, He would not have gone and died, sent His Son to die on Calvary, so that you and I could be saved. So it's amazing to see the compassion that Jesus has on this crowd. So we see this predicament that they were in, 
but then it, it gets interesting. I love the way our Bible reads. And, and, and number two, it says, the, the, or number two, the puzzling question we can see in verse four. And his disciples answered him, said, From whence can a man satisfy these men with bread here in the wilderness? First, we want to see the definition of, of whence. And, 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 and I have to sometimes explain because I was like, you know, you want to make sure you know what the word whence means. It simply means where. Where. It's the, it says, where can. Where, the, the disciples are asking, all right, all right, Lord, where is there going to be enough food? I don't know if you noticed, but we're in the wilderness. There's not a McDonald's. There's not some hot dog stand. There's not a Taco Bell. There's not a buffet. There's not, enough, there's not even enough food around here. There's not any fast food joints that they can go to. They said there's no man who can... There's, there's, there's no way. There's, there's not a man here who would have enough bread to feed this crowd. It's sad that the disciples who were with Jesus, who have been with Jesus, forgot who they were with. We see the puzzling question, the definition. We see the distress of the disciples in, 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 in that last part. But amazing thing is, is we see the divine preparation in verses 6 and 8. Jesus asked, he asked in verse 5, the disciples said there's, no, there's nobody here that has enough to feed this crowd. They forgot who was with them. But in verse 5, Jesus, it says, And He asked them, How many loaves have ye? And they said, Seven. And He commanded the people to sit down on the ground. And He took the seven loaves and gave thanks and break and gave to the disciples to set before them. And they did set them before the people. Now real quick, just a side note. Here we see where Jesus gave thanks. He gave thanks to God. In our, in our life... If we remember to give thanks to God for the things that He gives us, it's going to go a whole lot further than if we are ingrates and if we forget to thank God for what He's given us. So many times God gives us and meets blessing, meets needs in our lives and we forget to thank God. And so therefore, but without when we don't thank God... Let me put it like this. When I was a kid, my dad was always glad to get me things when I was thankful, when I was grateful for what He got me. But if I wasn't grateful, if I was an in, if I was an ingrate, then it was harder for him to want to get things for me. So we, we see here where Jesus gives thanks, and, and we notice a miracle that takes place after this. If we remember in our day to day life to give thanks for what God gives us, and not to take things for, um, not to to uh, just not give thanks for it, then God will bless it a lot more and make it go a lot longer of a way. That's just a side note here. But, so we see this divine preparation in verse 6 and 8. And then in, in 7 he says, and, and, and they had a few small fishes. Now I don't know about you. I, uh, if I was in a crowd of 4,000 and I was up front and I knew that they were going to try to feed us and I said, alright, there's 4,000 of us. We've got seven loaves of fit, or seven loaves of bread and a few small fish. Um, I don't think this is going to go very far. And if it were me, I'd want to be at the front of the line because I would be thinking to myself, humanly thinking, that I want a good-sized piece of bread because I don't want to be left with the eyeball of the fish or the crumb of the bread. I want the good part. I want that meat, that, that, that really good part. And so, and so it's just amazing. I would have loved to have been there to watch it and to see where Jesus he starts breaking and He gives it to His disciples. But that bread just keeps multiplying. So we see this divine preparation. We see the miracle that takes place. We see, we see the great miracle. He feeds them. And there was enough for them to eat. So, so we see here where Jesus does a great miracle. In verse 9 it says, And they had eaten, or verse 8, So they did eat and were filled. 
Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes for me to get full, it takes a lot of food. I like going to those buffets where I can go for two or three rounds of food. Then I am full. But you see here, with just as little bit as they had, Jesus was able to satisfy to where they were full. So we see here where Jesus performs this miracle, and, and it's great. And it says, and there were seven baskets left. There were left seven baskets. Now, I'm not talking some itty-bitty little baskets. Their baskets were probably uh, yay high and, and so big, they were good-sized basketfuls that they had left over. Seven of them. They started out with less, but by the time they got done by breaking it, there was more food. Now, that does not make sense because if we sit down and my wife picks some kind of lasagna in a small little one-serving pan and we try to split it between us, when we're done, there's not more left over. Usually it's empty. So this miracle, it's amazing how what God can do. It's not some magic trick that can be explained away, but it's truly a miracle. So we see, though, this, this, this miracle that has taken place. So we see the predicament that they were in, where they were all hungry. The puzzling question, but, but here's where I want to kind of hit, this is, this is where I kind of want to hit for a little bit. Number three, we see the problem. This miracle was great, but the problem here, the disciples in verse 4 said, From whence can a man satisfy these men with bread here in the wilderness? It says, From, from whence can a man... They said, where, where can we get enough food to feed these people? What man among us can, can, can take care of this? So we see the problem. They didn't realize who was with them. That, that He wasn't... They didn't realize... They forgot that Jesus was who they were talking to. He wasn't just some man. He was all man, but He was also all God. They forgot that Jesus was God. They forgot the man that was standing in front of them. They forgot... In, in, in verses... Um, excuse me, Philippians 2.6, we can see this. Philippians 2.6, this explains it here for us. Let me find it real quick. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Philippians 2. Verse 6, it says... Who being, this is talking about Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. So what we see here is Jesus, that was, that's, that's, they're talking about Jesus. He's not just, just a man, but He is all God. He is part of the Trinity. He's not just a, a little part. He is all God. So the disciples are standing in front of God, who is Jesus, who's in the form of flesh, and forget that they are talking to God Himself. So we see the problem. So many times in our life, we have a situation that comes up in our life and we forget who, we're, who we can go to pray. If, you, if we've been saved, we forget that we have God who we can go to in prayer. The Bible talks about you know, us being the, um, Jesus being our intercessor and being able to go to Him with our needs in prayer. So we see the problem here. They forgot that God was with them. They forgot that God was right there and that He can satisfy them. But it says, from whence can a man satisfy? Let me tell you, the man who could satisfy was Jesus Christ. The man who they were talking to was the man who satisfied by meeting the need of the people, the hunger, feeding those people. So, so there, there are two areas, in our, two great areas where Jesus can satisfy. One, in our life. Jesus can satisfy the needs that are in our life. Ecclesiastes, uh, Ecclesiastes 2, let's go to the Old Testament. Ecclesiastes chapter number 2. And I'll explain this just a little bit. Ecclesiastes 2. In verses 1, we'll read a couple of verses. This is Solomon. 
He's writing here. Solomon had gotten away from God in the latter in, in, in part of his life. He had let in, he had uh, let things get in the way between him and God. He had stopped serving God. He was backslidden. So Solomon's writing here in verse two. He says, "I said in my heart, go to now. I will prove thee with mirth. Therefore enjoy pleasure, and behold, this also is vanity. I said of laughter it is mad, and of mirth what doeth it?" I sought in mine heart to give myself unto wine, yet acquainted mine heart with wisdom, and to lay hold on folly, till I might see what was that good for the sons of men, which they should do under the, under the heaven all the days of their life. I made me great works, I built me house, I planted me vineyards, I made me gardens, orchids, I had planted trees in them of um, all kinds of... Orchards, excuse me. I had planted trees in them of all kinds of fruits. I had made the pools of water to water there with the woods that bringeth forth trees. I got my servants and maidens and had servants born in my house. Also I had great possessions of, of great and small um, cattle above all that were in Jerusalem before me. I gathered me also silver and gold and peculiar treasures of kings and of Providences, I got me men singers and women singers, the delights of sons of men as musical instruments that of all sorts. I was great and increased more than all that were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me. Solomon's writing here, he says, if, if we look in a couple verses before, in, in, uh, in chapter 1 and, and 3, the words of Solomon are the words of the preacher, the son of David, king of Jerusalem, vanity, vanity, saith the preacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What profiteth? hath a man of his labor which he taketh under the, under the sun. So Solomon here, here, here's what I'm trying to get to. We see Jesus, it says, from whence can a man satisfy? He can satisfy in our life. Solomon tried everything. He, he was the king. He was, he was rich. He tried, it talks about, um, he said, I, I gave unto myself wine. Um, he gave himself under, under earthly wisdom. He gave himself unto women. He gave himself to wealth. Solomon tried everything this world had to offer to satisfy avoiding his life. Solomon was the wisest man that ever lived. God blessed him, and he, he, he was trying to satisfy something that was in his life that was missing. And Solomon was trying to fulfill it with wealth. With so many times as Americans, we, we, we think that wealth is everything. We think that we've got to make money. And I am all for working. The, the Bible, there's a principle that talks about if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. I'm all for working, trying your hardest. And I understand there are times in our life where we can't and we just need to do the best that we can. But so many times we get our, we get our mind wrapped up with having things instead of having God. So many times we try to get this and this and this instead of trying to please God. And I am, I am, um, I have had this happen in my life where I'm wanting something better. And and trust me, I want, I would love to have, you know, a, a really nice pickup truck, a really nice house. These are things that I would love to have. And there's nothing wrong with having them as long as they don't have you. When they become your God. Solomon was trying these things to fulfill that void. And in verse 17 in chapter 2, he says, Therefore I hated life, because the work that is wrought under the sun is grievous unto me, for all is vanity and vexation of spirit. Solomon tried everything the world had to offer. And he said, I hated life. The conclusion that he came to after trying everything that the world had to offer was, I hated life and it was all in vain. So in our life, we seek for satisfaction in this world when the satisfaction we need is Jesus Christ. He, is, he can fill that void in our life when, when we need, when we have that Jesus Christ can satisfy 
that void in our life. But not only that, not only in, in just our life, but more importantly, in salvation. The, the Bible says over in uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 Corinthians, just one second to find it here, 15, verse 50, it says, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit, uh, neither does doth corruption inherit incorruption. And then verse 57 it says, But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus has satisfied salvation for us. We were all born sinners. When we came straight from our mother's womb, we were sinners from birth. We've all sinned. The Bible says we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is that gap that's between us and heaven. We can't work our way to heaven. We, there's, there's, we can't get our way to heaven. So what Jesus Christ did is He came to this earth and satisfied that void that was there so we and you and I can be saved. So that we can trust Jesus Christ. It, it tell, tells us in 1 Corinthians, incorruption cannot enter into heaven. We as, as sinners cannot enter into heaven. But because if you've asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart, in verse 57 it says, thanks be to God, we, we can enter into heaven because we've been put on that incorruption because we've been saved. And it talks about this in, 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 in Revelation 1, uh, 18. It talks about Jesus Christ. He conquered death. He satisfied death. So many times people try to, to look to, to baptism, to works as their salvation. They try to, try to find things that can satisfy the, the, satisfy the penalty of death. But there's nothing that can satisfy outside of salvation by faith through grace in Jesus Christ. That's what Ephesians talks about. It says, uh, for, by, excuse me, for by grace are you saved through faith. Not of works. Uh, it is a gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. Excuse me. I butchered that. Anyway, we, that, Jesus Christ not only sat, can satisfy the needs in your life. If you've got something in your life, something that's weighing down heavy on your shoulders... You've got some kind of financial need, some kind of health need, something that, that you, need, you need something to satisfy. Jesus Christ can be your satisfaction. But now if, if, you haven't, if you're saved, if you haven't trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, nothing else can satisfy death. Because there is a requirement for, for death. Because, because we are all sinners, because we, have all, uh, because we were all born and Adam and Eve sinned, there's, that's something that had, had to be satisfied at death and hell. And that was Jesus Christ when He died on Calvary. But we, we must trust Jesus Christ as our Savior. We, we shouldn't get in our life where we stand, if we're saved, we get in our life and say, from, from whence can a man satisfy? We look around and we try to go to everywhere else. We try to try the bank. We try, we try our friends. We try our credit cards. We try to go to the doctor. And there's nothing wrong with these things. But why is it that we wait to go to God last when He is the one who can satisfy our needs first? He's the one who can actually meet our needs. If you've got something in your life that you feel is, is, is missing, you've got something, got a need in your life, Jesus Christ can satisfy that. If you haven't been saved tonight, today, the Bible says today is the day of salvation, He can satisfy that in your life. Because without Him, we're just all going to go to hell. But because... Like I said, as an 11-year-old boy, I asked Jesus Christ in my heart. 
I am now know that I am 100% on my way to heaven because He satisfied that void that was missing in my life. So we need to make sure that not don't get like the disciples and forget who God is. Forget that if we've been saved, that Jesus Christ is right there. We can go to Him in prayer because He can satisfy whatever we have. But if you haven't been saved, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that you need to get that satisfaction filled. Because life is meaningless. Be just like Solomon. He said, I hated life. It's sad how many people, they're so depressed and they're so discouraged because they try alcohol, they try everything to satisfy that void when the person who can satisfy it is Jesus Christ. And we need to be witnesses to let people know that Jesus Christ can satisfy that, that void that's in their life. He can satisfy what's missing. I'm glad that I got that satisfaction. You know, I love that, that the, you get that stamp that says satisfaction guaranteed. And they say if you're not satisfied, you can return it and get your money back. I can tell you this. If you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're not going to want to try to return what, what you got. Because it's the greatest thing you can get. I can guarantee that it is satisfaction guaranteed. That, that you would not want to return it. Because it's the best thing that can happen to you on this earth. And I'm just so glad to know that Jesus Christ satisfied death and hell so that I could know where I'm going to spend eternity. So tonight, if you haven't trusted Jesus Christ, I would get that settled. I would, I would, uh, you can come to me. I can show you from the Scripture how you can be saved. If you haven't trusted Him, you can get that satisfaction and knowing that, that when you stand there and you feel like you're in the wilderness and there's nowhere... Nothing around to help you. There's, there's, you're just, you're surrounded by nothingness, so to speak. That you can go to Jesus, and He can satisfy what you, what that need that you have in your life. Jesus can satisfy. Let's go to Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for just being good to us. Lord, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for satisfying that need in my life. Thank you for saving my soul. Just thank you for being so good to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Now we're going to have a verse of, of invitation with every head bowed and every eye closed. And, and uh, tonight we're just going to have a verse. If you haven't trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, tonight would be the night to get it settled. And if you have that satisfaction that you need, I would come to this old-fashioned altar and just ask Jesus Christ to satisfy that need that's in your life. As she's plays, this will be the time to come.